welcome. Welcome to Conversations in Compassion, a podcast by Dignity Maine, a program of Agape Inc., and made possible by Coffee by Design Rebel Blend Fund. This is a different kind of podcast. Instead of interviews, we have conversations. This is my effort to demonstrate the examples of what I call compassionate conversation. Through these conversations, I hope to address the discord in our families, in our communities, and in ourselves, to focus on the greatest need of our time, the need for compassion. Well, thank you for doing this. This is a, a conversation just to show people what a compassionate conversation is. And uh, I'm curious, uh, you've gone through a lot, and uh, I just kind of want to open it up and say, you know, can you tell me about Will? I guess I've, I've you know, I, I didn't have the best, uh, the best childhood growing up. Um, uh, you know, experienced a lot of um, physical abuse from my father, um, a lot of, uh, you know, and not a lot of support. Um, my, my mom did her best, but, you know, she was mostly just trying to counter, um, you know, my dad's kind of totalitarian way of, of running the house. Um, I never really uh, felt kind of safe or comfortable in my own home. Um, and I was always kind of seeking like a way, a way out, I guess, um, you know, if I'm trying to sum this up briefly. Um, so kind of found early on, you know, ways to uh, escape myself or escape my situation. Um, pretty, pretty early, like around the age of 11, became very interested in drugs, uh, the possibility of, you know, changing my reality, uh, $10, you know, just kind of being able to mm. escape. Um, yeah, because there wasn't really much place I could go physically as, as like, you know, a young child like 11 12 years old but um you know uh being introduced uh hanging out with older kids being introduced to alcohol and 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 you know weed at first was um kind of kind of a huge uh huge eye opener at that age just just sort of relief to um uh it was it was one of the few things that I found that kind of was able to shut my brain off. Like we mentioned at the beginning, the anxiety. I've always kind mm-hmm. of kind of mm-hmm. felt uh, that constant level of anxiety, never really being comfortable, never really feeling safe, even even if I physically am. So, um, so you remember when you were eleven, even right now, sort of being introduced to marijuana and alcohol, and just feeling that relief in in the moment of from all the anxiety of living in a violent family and uh, it, it just it washed over you yeah i mean that's um that's like <laughs> that that I, I couldn't probably put it better myself um it's it was it was kind of like an epiphany or i don't know if that's the right mm-hmm. word but just mm-hmm. like uh oh a god like it felt like a godsend at the time you know mm-hmm. for for me substance is dead um just because it's like oh i feel like i can communicate with people how I want to communicate with them like I feel I don't feel this constant um voice or or you know like um the thought line running through my head like I, I put myself down a lot at something I still struggle with but that that voice in my head telling me I'm not enough you know like I, I could turn that off so yeah that was a uh, that was a huge <laughs> realization for me well and then it becomes a pull doesn't it yeah. it becomes a like when can I get it again and I don't yeah. like the wearing off of it. Uh, you know, it's just because it works. Yeah. You can feel that moment of, uh, 
I'm not beating the shit out of myself. Abs- absolutely. And um, that, you know, early on became kind of a problem for me. Uh, I, you know, would say I was probably, you know, using a, one substance or another. Um, I wasn't particularly picky, you know, mm. uh, eating too much Benadryl to get out of my mind or cough syrup or, or wheat, whatever. Um, but thinking back now it's hard to say that there was like maybe a few days from the age of 11 onwards until i got clean there there was maybe a few days in between where i wasn't on a substance of some sort um which after i got sober um or you know where i'm at right now uh that that was really kind of potent realization that like i haven't uh you know Mm, you have no adolescence yeah (laughs) yeah that's a good way to put it nothing you know, now all that period of time where people are learning skills and going through school and so on and so forth, you're you're gone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, which is kind of where I'm at right now, just trying to. Uh, it, it's funny that you say adolescence. I, um, you know, this year got back into video games and skateboarding and and like all this shit that I loved uh, around the age of eleven or twelve that I slowly stopped doing mm-hmm. as I just started to just just like get more into that lifestyle of, of hanging around these, you know, people doing these drugs, wanting to escape. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of weird trying to rediscover that. Right. And, and how necessary that is yeah. to just to rediscover it to like, what did I miss? And cause I was checked out in an effort to just try to manage the violence that was in my head. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I personally try not to think too much about, because I, I gone down that rabbit hole in my head where it's like, um, um, I, I, I start to like, I, you know, because you can't get the past back, you know, mm-hmm. that that's where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. Like I've, I've had to come to that realization, but there was a period of time, especially in early sobriety for me, where like all I could do was live in the past and like, what if I would have done this differently? Just kind of mourning the loss of that um, or, or, you know, like I didn't feel like I was able to have like, you know, a normal childhood, a, a, a sort of father figure, or even, you know, I love my mom and all, but um, just there really wasn't much guidance. I, there, I didn't feel like I could really go to anybody with anything. Um, so I try not to, I try not to uh, get too obsessed with, with like, you can't have that experience again. Like I can't have the experience of actual adolescence as a, as a, you know, 25 year old now. Um, but yeah. <laughs> well, but you're trying to not go back there. You're not trying to regret. You're trying to say, well, what, where am I now? Yeah. And where am I going? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, some of it is about learning some of those skills, but it's not about regret. Like, I missed something. And it's almost this feeling like uh, you did the best that you could given the amount of anxiety and the amount of viciousness that was in your head. Yeah. Thank you for, for saying that. That's, um, I, I have a hard time thinking of it that way a lot of the time, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's, it's now, I guess the name of the game for me is, is just trying to, you know, figure out how to kind of incorporate those things that I, that I, I, I guess most people are, I won't say most people, but, you know, people generally learn in adolescence or kind of kind of figuring that out now in adulthood. Yeah, I mean, people sort of sort out things like careers and they think about yeah. dating <laughs> and they think about relationships and they 
right? They and they do things, and they and they actually make a lot of mistakes, but they learn from those mistakes. And in a way, you couldn't do that. Yeah. You you had to figure out where is the next high. Yeah. Where and and what I love about your description is you didn't care what the drug was. You didn't care if it was opiates or Benadryl. You just <laughs> you just wanted to get outside of that thinking. Yeah. That was so vicious. Yeah, that um it was it was I mean with drugs for me like towards the end of my my using I definitely, you know, it was it was heroin and crack but that's that exactly what you just said. It was never the point. Um, the big thing for me was just finding the best escape route or, yeah, though that, that just happened to be what I found that brought me the most peace, quote unquote, you know, or, or the relief that I, I was craving, like the, the feeling of, of kind of, um, it, it wasn't really the drugs. It was, it was just wanting that, like, ah, I feel okay. I feel like I, the first, I, I guess to sum it up with like kind of an anecdote, like the first time I, I used heroin, I like my thought was this must be what normal people feel like mm. as I'm using a drug that, you know, people tell you your whole life, you do this and it will destroy you. And, and, mm. um, but it, that, that wasn't really present. The only thing I was like, wow, this, this, like, I feel the, 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 the critic or the voice in my head is, is quiet. Like my, my heart's not beating fast. I don't have a knot in my stomach. This is, this is great. <laughs> I, that was beautiful. You know, those words like, this is great, and I think I have arrived at normalcy. And boy, what an addiction then, right? It's <laughs> yeah. just like, uh, give me more. Yeah, that was because um, it's it's funny too. Before that, I um I I, I when I was younger, kind of uh, denigrated. I don't know if that's the right word, but I I kind of looked down upon people who had had addictions. I I had an aunt who was, you know, um, went through cancer treatment through the process, got addicted to opiates and ended up, you know, abandoning her children. Um, Mm -hmm. Lots of terrible shit transpired from that. And um, I just always assumed those people were weak-minded or, um, you know, moral failing, something like that. And I feel like a lot of people think that way. Um, And and I thought this way as, you know, little did I know the whole time, like, I've been a drug addict this whole time, been using drugs every day for years. it, but it wasn't really until I found that that I really found out um, how <laughs> how bad addiction can get. Mm. Um, because I, you know, not to sound dramatic, but um, at the end, I, I I had nothing. No one, no one wanted to talk to me. Um, my mom was pretty much the only person who had any time left for me, and even that was very limited. It was like I'll get you to treatment, and that that's it. But if you if you if you don't get help, like good luck. So and. Right there, Will, you, you know, sort of were in contact with the community or in contact off and on with treatment providers and so on. And that alone, that, that too was sort of a, a lonely process. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I've, like, thought about it that way before. Um, but, you know, just to kind of put it this way, like, at the age of 20, uh, when most people are in college, this is, a, this is the first time I went to rehab. Um, you know, after high school, I kind of just was like, I'm going to work. And I, I, I didn't really ever have a plan. I never saw myself really living past my 20s. Like, I just, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't even able to conceptualize, like, a future. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, the loneliness of kind of just, I, I, I think total, I, I don't know, I'd have to count <laughs> Probably 10 uh, inpatient treatments and, and, you know, numerous detoxes, outpatients, uh, that sort of thing until I 
you know, got to got to where I am now. And you you only have yourself through that whole process. I mean, mm. my mom was, you know, she would visit me or, or call, um, you know, at certain points earlier on, like when I first started going to treatment, I still had friends who would write me letters and stuff. But as as it progressed, it got even lonelier. Um, yeah, in a way that as you did the first one, everybody was there. The second one, a little less yeah. was there. The third one, yep. a little less <laughs> was there. Fourth one, maybe mom will call. You know, and at that point, there's something like you can almost feel like people giving up on you. Uh, yeah, and um, I don't blame them. Um, at, you know, at this point, I felt a lot of, um, at the time, it was very like, oh, what was me, you know? Um, and it, it was a hard experience, but I... Um, I can only imagine the things I put those people through, you know, in my addiction. Um, and I have to be completely brutally, like able to look at my actions and, you know, um, the, the damage that, that everything caused. So it, it was a natural progression, you know, as I, I, I've had friends now that I've been, uh, you know, away from, away from drugs. I've had friends that, um, you know, I'm on the other end of it. I, I see them still straight. And I, even dealing with it for two weeks was like such <laughs> such a like stress and and uh absolute um uh, worry and you, you like you find yourself enabling these people and then you know that put it into perspective for me like my mom had to deal with this for for years and years you know just yeah for a decade yeah for a decade yeah 10 years long time yeah yeah when the addiction runs itself there you are and sort of Ten recovery centers, multiple detox clinics, all kinds of counselors along the way. It just what seemed to work? What seemed to touch you? And now I realized that you that that vicious negative self talk wasn't going to get you a chance. You know, and you might be drying out, but you were going back. And there was another part that wanted to do something, or you wouldn't have shown up in the first place. Yeah. Just what seemed to be helpful along that way? I mean, you're alive today. You're even visualizing a little tiny bit about what your future might be. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would say, I mean, the people, um, they, there were certain people I can think of, you know, certain spectacular individuals that, that work in, in that industry who, who made a lasting impression on me. I kind of feel like I got bits and pieces from them. Um, but there was no, no institution or person that was going to be able to really, um, I, I think I had to come to a point of like complete desperation personally for, for myself, uh, mm. to, to even be open to hearing those things. But once, once I was, I think of the first time, cause I had gone to treatment plenty of times mm. and, and like gone in full intention in mind to just like. All right, I'm gonna do this for 40 days, get my family off my back, and then I could shoot heroin again, and I could I can control it. It'll be fine, you know. Mm -hmm. that, that's mm -hmm. the type of things I would tell myself, like multiple times going to treatment. So, I think of the first time, and it was my second time going back to this particular institution, Rosecrans. One of those wonderful people is, is, is was an employee there, um, but being able to um, listen to other people, um, actually hear them. Um, and, and I think I just, I wasn't able to get there until like, I, I really, you know, just, I, I was just tired. Mm. Yeah. I had, you know, at that point, um, it was almost like you were laying on the side of the road. You'd convinced yourself for, you know, what was about three years of constant treatment 
and you were laying on the side of the road with a kind of another needle in your arm and kind of saying, this is it. I, I'm going to either die or do something. Yeah. I, I could share a good anecdote on that, actually, like almost. Yeah, mm. yeah it's this is like peak junkie shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, um, being in a when I had like that real, you know, this, this moment, I'll probably never forget, you know, being in a porta potty on the West side of Chicago in a neighborhood that I had no fucking business being in, um, you know, shaking because I'm sick, trying to cook up, um, spilling it onto a porta potty floor, screaming at the top of my lungs and then still throwing a cotton onto the porta potty floor and drying up off the floor of a porta potty. Um, and then just, you know, I, I, I didn't even really get high. <laughs> I, 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 I'm pretty sure I missed that shot actually. And it was just like that absolute, like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like there's, there's, there's nothing, you know, this, this is my life. <laughs> um, and I think that actually was a couple weeks before my mom kind of scooped me off the street and, and shipped me out here. Mm. Um, mm. yeah. <laughs> what you, you could feel that moment. And, uh, and I wonder about what moved you, because you know there are too many people that didn't make it. Yeah, in that journey right there. I I really I attribute a lot of it to like, you know I I like we discussed earlier I I had a rough situation growing up, but my mm-hmm. mom like I I was lucky in a lot of ways she she despite not having a lot of resources never did give up on me and i i would i think be remiss not to give other people some credit and and kind of being there because i have i think of my friends uh specifically like renee um one of my friends who passed a few years back now and um she just she family wouldn't help her um she didn't have insurance you know the best she could do to to dry out was just like check herself into a mental hospital Mm. which is not ideal. You get 10 days where you dry out and then they throw you back out into the street with no resources. Mm. So, um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, maybe it was some in, in, I don't think it was like anything. Um, I mean, part of it had to be something in me, I guess, you know, <laughs> like something. In yeah. Hand. Yeah. I, but well, let's not step over that, that even with no resources, even you, you, your mom did not give up. Yeah. You know, she, I mean, you just said it, you know, there you are, you know, on the West side of Chicago in a place where you should not really be trying to get high one more time and and she comes by in the next couple of weeks and scoops you up and puts you into another treatment program that she's working and not giving up on you yeah you know and that that even though she she was barely getting through life herself <laughs> she was basically saying I'm not going to give up on my son yeah which <laughs> I'm getting a little um yeah I, you know, I, I have that thought about my mom a lot. Just she, in, incredible strength and courage, what she had to put up with. Because I wasn't only a victim of the abuse, you know. She mm. she was as well for mm. my father. And uh, a teacher this whole time, not getting paid shit, trying to raise three boys, two of which are constantly doing drugs. Mm. And uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how she still had um, the patience or, you know, I, I guess that's a mother's love. But after after years and years and years of of just you know disappointment just me letting people down um it really is 
amazing to have somebody in your life who has that sort of, I, I guess grace is the word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Cause I, I didn't, I don't think at the time I deserved it. Mm. Um, with, with, I mean, you know, if we were to just look at <laughs> human behavior on like, Oh, the damage you're causing as, as you go about in the world, I was, I was causing a lot of damage. So it's, uh, yeah. And I, I just really appreciate all of that. It, it touches you that, you know, that she struggled with so much. Yeah. And that she still stayed there. I love how you called it a mother's love. Grace. Sheer determination with hardly anything. Just There's there's so much, even in your felt sense right now about how much gratitude you have. You know, for those people that came into your life that really just made a difference and she was significant she just stayed there yeah yeah i mean i th i think that that's a huge i don't i don't know if i would have made it out if it wasn't for to have it because i didn't at the time and when i got sober like i had to tell myself i was doing it for her um because mm. i just i didn't i didn't care enough about mm. myself or you know mm. as self-obsessed as, as you get as an addict like it's it's like this in higher like self-loathing you want to annihilate and just mm. i i you know when i think about it i don't think i truly wanted to die i just didn't know what to do right um and i was trying to die because of that uh so and it, the pain was so great yeah the anxiety was so great the vicious parts of your brain were so great in terms of the way they talked to you and i mean, you even said about you know five minutes ago about i never even expected myself to live beyond my middle 20s you know i just i just tried to get through the day and figure out how to get back to this imprint that said i have relief yeah and it's um i think the worst thing in the world is, is when it's the, the drugs no longer give you relief or you know if it's not drugs for a person whatever whatever you're depending on for that for that ah just a couple hours you know because that's all you get with the mm -hmm. substance like you know, it's that's why that's why it wasn't viable for me. It was only a couple hours. It wasn't it wasn't a solution to any problems. It was a Band-Aid. Um, and that... Uh, I, I'm sorry, I kind of lost my train of thought. That's all right. <laughs> um, it's beautiful. Mm. It's just, you could feel that sort of, it's not a Band-Aid. I love that, you know. It's, it, it, it doesn't take away much. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, I think that's what I was I was trying yeah. to say when you when you get to that point where it, it wasn't taking away anything, you know, like with that, that story I just mentioned about the border body, I felt no relief, really, no relief at all. Um, just just that's that was, I think the point for me where it's like, wow, I really am going to die like this, or I'm going to do something and um, to to bring it back to just having those people in your life. My, you know, if it wasn't for somebody being there for me, I very well probably would have died much like countless friends that i can list who did and and who were in situations a little bit more dire than mine you know with 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 where they came from and what support they had mm. it's a the question you know is how do you touch on on this issue of how do you tell people that you know never giving up and holding the compassion that something's possible, even when their loved one, the person they care about, 
doesn't believe it themselves. I mean, that's what your mom did. I mean, she, she, she didn't give up after the second treatment program. She kept going. She scooped you up again. She looked for another one. She found the resources somehow and just kept going. She, even though she was not happy, she was mad, she was probably screaming at you at times. So <laughs> she's probably, get the, get the hell out of here. Yeah. There's something else, right? This, this compassionate consistency of, I, I care about you and I love you and I will not give up on you. Yeah. And if there's a word I could use to describe my mom, compassion, <laughs> she's, she's got her own issues, but she's never been lacking in, like, almost being compassionate to a fault, you know, to where mm-hmm. I, I was enabled a lot of the time. But it, it, it really, the core of it is just, like, loving, you know, somebody so much that you, that you, you just, I don't, I don't know. She struggled with eating disorders. She had been to treatment, too, so... Um, I think she was able to relate to me on some level, mm. which was helpful. Um, mm. You know, obviously my father through this was a totally different story. Um, but yeah. Mm. She had her own sort of understanding. Yeah. Of the compulsion. and Yes. Yes. Yeah. Which I, I think a lot of people who have never struggled with, um, and, and not just drug addiction, but just like any obsessive compulsive like drive to just, um, mm. my mom's was like bulimia, you know, like, Mm. Um, uh, food addiction, whatever, whatever that 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 just consumes you, or or that you have to continue to consume to just feel feel normal. Um, it's it's hard to it's hard to relate. I, I think if you haven't, um, it, it seems insane because it is. <laughs> but it's it's how do you relay that uh, to somebody who has no no experience with that? Because the the common response I would get from my dad and a lot of other people is just just stop. Like, mm. this is the third time in treatment. This is the fourth time in treatment. Like, well, you can't just fucking stop. Like, mm. the fuck's wrong with you? Mm. And I, I felt the same way. Like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Like, why can't I stop? Mm. Um, but it wasn't because it, it wasn't the heroin. You mm. know, it, it was it was the it was the escape. Mm. I mean, it was definitely the heroin <laughs> towards the end. Like, you, you, mm. there is absolutely, you know, the, the the demon of physical addiction, and all that as well. But well, and and it's that initial. 11-year-old imprint. I feel the relief. And then it's just chasing, and it doesn't do the same. But you get a tiny bit of it, yeah, and then a tiny bit of it, and then you chase it a little more, and you chase a little more until, you know, you've got a deeper and deeper addiction and sitting in a porta potty and, yeah. you know, trying to get something for any kind of momentary relief. You're not even worrying about an hour at this point. You just want momentary relief. Yeah. And as, as sick as it sounds, like I, I kind of relate that back. Like um, heroin made life simpler at the time mm. because it boiled it down to just seeking that momentary mm. relief. Mm. I was never in the moment because I was always seeking something else. Mm-hmm. The only time I could be, you know, I would, I would feel that like ooh, present when I was... When I was high, but but it was it, it boiled everything down in my life to just obtain the substance by any means necessary. So, um, and even that process, even the seeking process, get you out of out of your the, yeah out of your head in terms of the status of your life. Oh yeah, it's, it's a I mean, real good. Um, yeah, it's like trying to solve a problem. You know, you wake up homeless and you don't have any money and you want to get high and. and I would get high, you know, like I would, (laughs) you get, you become very resourceful. 
um, in, in addiction, not in a healthy way, but um, it's it's definitely um, it, it makes the day uh, or it gets you out of yourself to just like you're constantly in this process of seeking, getting high, coming down, see, you know, like it's just this constant cycle. Mm. Um, and it's it's really or for me, at least it was a I, I didn't see, you know, well, once you get very deep into it, I, a lot of people just don't see a way out. I, I didn't see a way out at certain points, you know. And, well, you did. Yeah. But it was death. Yes. Yeah, you know, that I, that yeah. I, 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 you know, that I'm going to die, that I'm not going to live beyond, you know, 25. I just have to get through today. Yeah. And so it just yeah. becomes like, I don't even think about that in a way, you know, it's everything's about seeking. Yeah. You could put all that <clears throat> off. Everything. The future doesn't, you don't have to plan or think for the future or, or try yeah. and, you know, make a life for yourself or, or anything because you are just living for the day. <laughs> well, and it becomes, it, it becomes a sort of this uh, funny dichotomy in a way that people will say, well, you know, Will, you're, you're 20 years old. So what are you thinking about? For your future, and you're sitting there going, "Oh, you got to be kidding! Me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you have to be kidding!" Me. Yeah, you know those kind of questions of, uh, you know, so what do you want to be when you grow up? And you're like, mm, "Yeah, well, I don't know. Was that Chinese? Did I understand the language? You know, sort of. So you know, and all of that was a bit of insanity. Yeah. And I mean, if I think back to when I was growing up, what I saw myself doing um, mm -hmm. was was I wanted to live in a van and just just try. I didn't want any responsibilities. I didn't want any connection to society or, or connection mm -hmm. to, or not connection. Um, but I, I didn't. Yeah. I, I won't get into that too much. But I, <laughs> right. Um, I yeah. I, I I want people around, but I don't want to have to be responsible for anything. Yeah. And and also just the running. I moved so much as a kid, and that mm. kind of carried into my adult life. I would I I'd never stay anywhere longer than two three months. You know, um, mm. kind of trying to just like if I go here, it'll be it'll be different. You know, or I just as soon as things get like you know I make fast friends, things are getting weird. Now I leave. Um, yeah, and it's and that becomes a responsibility, even friendships. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and they and they become a commodity, almost. You know, because you know, just seeking some relief is more important. Yeah, than friendships, than relationships, than even your mom, than everything. Yeah, you know, I mean, addiction kind of commodifies everything um, because you know, I, I, I deep like, I don't think I ever became or. I don't think I'm a sociopath, <laughs> you know, even, even at my worst, right. I would still, I would still have, um, you know, like these moments of clarity in between being high where I could, I, I would feel things or I would, I would think about, you know, the damage I'm causing to people. Um, but, but more and more just commodifying people as it, as it progressed, just like, I love you, but I'm only calling you because I need a ride, you know, right. or lying to people to get them to mm -hmm. take me to do something, you know. Mm -hmm. Making people complicit in, in, in crimes even just, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, trying to play it off like, oh, I just need a ride to the Dollar General, you know? So you just, you start to turn all your relationships just become like, what can you do for me? So that I can get. Yeah. So, so that I can get this, this relief and. This relief. That's right. Yeah. And in the meantime, you're going around causing more, more damage in, you know, your life and others. But hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> we, um. You know, as we finish up, and I, I'm, I'm just quite honored uh, to listen, you know, and to be a part of your story. And, and you've been sober and clean for, 
about three years now. Yeah. And uh, I wonder, we have a few people that probably might listen to our, this podcast, or at least we might listen to it again. <laughs> uh, but what would you tell people about uh, this process of discovery, recovery, and how, how do we help people? Or, don't, or do we leave them? I think there's a lot of nuance to, to that question. Um, Hmm, where do I start with that? Um, I I think that to start with the do we help people or do we leave them? Um, I would I would say that there's a line there. Uh, it's, it's not it's not black and white. Like to use to go back to what we we're talking about with my mom, there was points where you know she she enabled, um, but she did never give up on me. And like I do believe I would be dead if I did not have a person who gave up on me. And I'm glad today that I'm not dead. So I. I think you should do what you can within reason. Um, you know, I, I, I have friends that are still in active addiction. I try and be there for them if they need me. But it's I think about setting healthy boundaries. You know, um, how do you how do you help somebody? Um, you know, without losing yourself in the process. And the other thing too would just be some addicts. You know, depending on where you're at in your addiction, you're just not going to be ready for help. It, it's it's a sad fact, you know. Some people will die like that because they just they won't be ready. Um, but there has to be some sort of some sort of willingness on on the part. It, just speaking from my experience, I had to be completely willing. Like I lost everything, had nothing. I didn't really have a choice. So the willingness of just just tell me how to <laughs> how mm. how to live a life, you know. Um, like there there has to be something different than this. Mm. Um, so, so the seeking of just, and I, I don't prescribe to like a particular dogma. I did get clean through uh, AA, um, mm -hmm. you know, worked mm -hmm. the steps, that sort of thing. And I now work at a medical marijuana dispensary. Mm -hmm. um, so it is, I, I would not encourage everyone who has had a drug addiction to attempt to, um, you know, that that's not a path for everybody. Mm. Um, using any substance, sometimes you use no substances. Some people use, you know, are able to, um, you know, medicate with certain things. Mm -hmm. Um, I, that sounds kind of bad. I'm not, I'm not encouraging drug use. Um, but, but everybody's path is different. Um, yeah, yeah. That's what you're trying to say. Yes. Is that, you know, that stop, stop making it one path for all, you that, know, just expand it, you know, hear what people need. And follow them rather than tell them what we should do. I mean, there's, you know, and everybody has its own, their own pathway. And can we listen? Can we hear it? Yeah. I love, I love what you said that, you know, as we sort of begin to finish up, there, there's this process of really being kind and compassionate. And then having some kind of compassionate boundaries, some boundary that says this is this is my I, this is as far as I can go, because I don't want to enable it, but I don't want to be anything but kind to you, and then I want to let go of the outcome. Yeah, you know, and some people um, are teachers uh, to teach us how to be kind and compassionate, and learn how to set boundaries, and they may pass away, they may die, well, not ever forgotten. They will continue on. And then there are other people who, you know, will be become teachers and become part of the process. I really appreciate this conversation a lot. 
Yeah, I do as well. This is this was a, <laughs> you know, uh, not something I I planned to do today, <laughs> but um, very very glad now having having done it. A very good experience. Thank you for listening to today's conversation. I truly hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you find your podcasts. I'd like to give a heartfelt thanks to Coffee by Design and their Rebel Fund for their support to help make this podcast possible. Thank you again for being here. Take care.